at this very moment in a shack on the opposite side of the woods. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this podcast to bring you some incredible news. We are under attack. Never before has this reporter seen such devastation, such destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I fear the time has come for Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules! So grab a can of fermented weed and listen up. It may just save your life. Greetings and salutations, you nameless, faceless savages yearning to breathe deeply the fumes of our pitiable democracy. Welcome! to another episode of Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. We have a very special treat for you today. Yes, that's right, another edition of The Best Albums You've Never Heard. And today, we veer into the truly bizarre as we tackle the sonic madness of the commercial commercial album by The Residents. Residents Residents have been extremely prolific figures lurking in the underbelly of the intersecting circles of music, art, and performance. Uh, releasing over 60 albums, numerous videos and short films, uh, three CD-ROM games, uh, 10 DVDs, a serialized musical drama, and more since uh, 1974. Mired in their own anonymity, the residents have hidden behind costumes and edifice and uh, have never revealed their true identities. Their most iconic costume is probably the top-hatted and tuxedoed floating eyeballs that have served them for nearly 40 years. In that time, they have managed to keep their identities concealed from a curious public. Uh, Much speculation over the years has pointed the fingers at the residents' own management team, but uh, nothing has ever been positively revealed. Since their beginnings in the late 60s and early 70s, they remain an enigma to this day. Uh, What little information has been officially released seems to fall under a veil of skepticism, but it is generally accepted that the core members of the residents came to San Francisco from Shreveport, Louisiana in the late 60s. After sending a demo tape to Warner Brothers in 1971 based on their love for the eclectic Captain Beefheart, who was on the uh, Warner Brothers label at that time, Uh, the band got their name after neglecting to properly address the submission, and the rejection letter was simply sent back to the residents. And uh, taking a very uh, DIY approach of if you can't beat them, join them, the residents uh, decided to set up their own label and release their first album in 1974. Their bizarre sonic experiments quickly found a cult audience and they haven't looked back since. The commercial album was released in 1980 and was truly a masterstroke of a concept album. It contained 40 tracks, each one just a minute in length. Perhaps this idea is best explained uh, in this section of the liner notes. And uh, and I'll quote from the the liner notes. Point one, pop music is mostly a repetition of two types of musical and lyrical phrases, the verse and the chorus. Point two, these elements usually repeat three times in a three-minute song, the type usually found on Top 40 radio. Point three, cut out the fat, and a pop song is only one minute long. Then record albums can hold their own top 40, 20 minutes per side. Point four, one minute is also the length of most commercials and therefore their corresponding jingles. Point five, jingles are the music of America. 
To help illustrate the point and perhaps uh, subvert the minds of more conservative music listeners, the residents actually bought 40 minutes of ad time on KFRC, then the most popular top 40 station in San Francisco, and uh, thus they were able to get the entire album played on the radio over the course of three days. Uh, This prompted an editorial in Billboard magazine, um, kind of musing whether or not this was actual art or advertising or some kind of blurring of the two um there's certainly uh there certainly is a fair amount of line blurring there when you think about it but uh i think it's actually quite a good prank uh when you think about it um all the folks uh, waiting to hear the latest songs from Kenny Rogers and Donna Summer suddenly uh, and without warning uh, <laughs> were listening to uh, this kind of uh, crazy, bizarre uh, music. And, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody somewhere was laughing. Uh, and now that I've set the stage, uh, I think it's time we listen to a few tracks. Um, normally, when I do best albums you've never heard, uh, I've, I've gone track by track and dissected uh, the, uh, the, the album in its entirety, but, uh, given the nature of this with, uh, f- over, f- you know, 40 tracks, uh, and then in this case, I'm using, uh, the 1988 re-release, which has 10 bonus tracks on it. Uh, I kind of feel like that might be, uh, a, a little bit of overkill. So I'm just going to pick out, um, you know, maybe 15 to 20 of my favorite, tracks and and uh we'll we'll go from there also of note on this album are some big name collaborators who show up and contribute on some of the tracks uh including andy partridge from xtc uh lena lovich um and uh, avant-garde guitarist fred frith who is a kind of a label mate of the residents and he shows up um so i'll kind of point those out along the way um first up we've got a great track that opens the uh, album and it's called Easter Woman. The vocals on this track kind of add a real air of creepiness that um, kind of sets the stage for the rest of the album. So um, just kind of uh, take note of that. Uh, There's a real surreal element to this. And um, I will post it up on uh, the webpage, but there's a very interesting kind of surreal video that went along with this track as well but uh, this opened the album and i think it kind of gives you a good idea of what's to come First track off the album, Easter Woman, uh, which I think is as catchy as it is creepy, and it is pretty creepy. Um, but uh, I think it sets a good stage for what's to come on the rest of this album. Um, just these nice uh, kind of surreal, um, creepy kind of ditties um, with with some uh, lyrical flourishes. Um, I almost think uh, sometimes that the the residents uh, would work better just as instrumentals, but uh, their vocals add a real curious tinge to the whole affair. Um, So on that note, we'll 
set off to the next track. the uh, kind of very uh, processed vocals of uh, punk songstress Lena Lovitch. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's a neat little tune. Now the uh, next track I'm going to play is called Amber, which has kind of got a little bit of a cowboy lilt to it, and you'll understand what I mean when, when you hear it. Uh, what's interesting to note here is that the vocals sound like they are a female uh, vocalist, so it's possible this is also Lena Lovitch, but um, it's not really known. Uh, the residents, like I said, were very, very much, uh, you know, secretive about everything, so personnel from track to track, you just you just don't know who's playing. And, uh, you know, when uh, uh, when they had guests play, they rarely used their real names. Uh, you know, like I said, Andy Partridge from XTC is uh, on this album uh, on, a, on a later track, which we'll get to. But I think he was credited as Sandy Sandwich um on uh, as as the uh, as his credit went so uh, it's it's kind of hard to tell but that, i guess that's part of the fun of the residence so here we go check out amber cowboy lilt to it and uh, I really thought I think it's kind of pretty actually uh, the next track we're gonna listen to is called Japanese watercolor which um, again some of the instrumentation uh, kind of evokes that uh, Japanese style music or oriental style music but what I find interesting about this song is that the there's different phrases that kind of um, counterpoint each other uh, it's almost as if they're having a the instruments are having a conversation back and forth um and and it's kind of uh it's kind of neat the way it the way it sounds so give it a listen and uh, let me know what you think about this japanese watercolor mm-hmm. 
track we're going to listen to is called Die in Terror, and it's one of my favorites. Um, what's interesting about this is that it kind of uh, uses some interesting instrumentation. It's got a, a little bit of a, a mouth harp at the beginning, um, which is used kind of almost as a texture or a rhythm. And then there's this um, really kind of uh, sad and foreboding sounding banjo. Um, it's probably the saddest, um, creepiest banjo playing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then uh, it so almost sounds like it's going to be an instrumental, but then they throw in some lyrics at the end, um, which are kind of, um, wind up being kind of chilling, actually. Uh, but um, give it a listen. Die in Terror. playlist is a song called My Second Wife, which is another one of my favorite tracks here on the uh, on the album. Um, what's interesting to me about this is that uh, the main instrument is um, presumably a synthesizer on this one, uh, but uh, it sounds an awful lot like uh, whistling. Um, my guess is maybe they sampled a whistle or something, but I don't know. In any, in any event, it sounds really cool. Um, and also, uh, take note too. At towards the end, um, the uh, the lyrics talk about watching a football game, and they uh, play uh, crowd noise in the background to kind of simulate being in a in a stadium. interesting too. Um, I think it's got a very interesting sound to it. Um, the funny thing is um, when I first bought this album I thought that they had uh, maybe reversed uh, the, the tracks because I felt the lyrics for this song <laughs> more exemplified um, more exemplified my, my vision of marriage at the time because uh, I, I was um, going through uh, 
a little bit of a divorce myself, um, <laughs> oddly enough. But uh, um, it, it, listen, listen to it, and you'll <laughs> you'll understand. Um, so, you know, check out this uh, dimples and toes. This next track, The Nameless Souls, uh, is actually a little better representation of my first marriage. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I think I played this on an em- endless loop um, <laughs> quite a bit uh, during that time. But uh, yeah, uh, anybody who was around during that time um, will certainly understand where I'm coming from. track is called Love Leaks Out and it is so reminiscent of Tom Waits that I've got to believe that um, somebody influenced the other um, whether Tom Waits heard this and um, used it as a basis for some of his music or vice versa Um, they were both kind of on that west coast um, uh, trip uh, you know at this time so who knows Uh, you know, I, 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 I'd like to believe that there was some uh, synergistic crossover, to use uh, to use some uh, you know corporate speak. But um, you know, uh, one will never know. But in any event, um, this uh, aside from the vocals, it, it sounds to me very much like a uh, Tom Waits song. Uh, let, let me know what you think.
track that I find to be very much like Tom Waits. I don't know what you think. Um, I'd love to hear it. Uh, of course, you can email me at spacemules at yahoo.com or, heck, tweet me. Um, at Space Mules is the handle for the show. Um, maybe I figure I'd get a, a few plugs in here in the middle of the show. Why not? The next track up is uh, called Tragic Bells. Um, it's an interesting little track um, that I really like, um, partly because it has um, a really neat synth line in it um, that reminds me an awful lot of some of the synthesizer work you would hear on uh, shows like In Search Of uh, back in the the 70s. So coming out in 1980, this was still a little bit of a, this was actually a little bit of a retro sound uh, (laughs) coming out. Uh, But it's, uh, it's a really nice, almost creepy kind of sound. Check it out. Tragic Bells. into the album. Uh, This next one is um, a little more song-oriented than uh, some of the mostly instrumental tracks that we've had. This one has vocals going through it just about the entire length of the one-minute duration, um, as opposed to some of these, which seem like the vocals were just kind of added on after the fact for the last, you know, 10 seconds or 15 seconds. So this one's a little bit different. This one seems more like a a normal quote unquote normal song um and it it only gets better when the uh when the chorus um harmonizes quote unquote harmonizes at the end check it out this is called give it to someone else in the trees and um, it makes use of some electronic noises that sound an awful lot like chirping birds um, on first listen um, and uh, it's made, made well made use of during the song but what I find most interesting about this track is the vocals themselves um, there's two parts to it there's a there's a spoken word um, part which is kind of a counterpoint to the uh, the sung lyrics um, 
that are that are vocalized and um the those are almost done in a, a kind of faux operatic style in a way uh, but what's interesting to me is it, it somewhat reminds me of um, a Christmas song. Uh, it, you know, it kind of rhymes with a little bit. I, you know, for the life of me, I can't quite place it. Um, but uh, it, you know, if you, um, I, I want to say the lyrics are kind of like, down on your knees, I can hear the angel calling. Um, and I don't remember what song that is for, you know, we just had Christmas. I should, I should know what, <laughs> I should know what song that is. But it kind of, uh, it kind of sounds like that. So I'm wondering if they were channeling um, the uh, Christmas music when they, when they were doing the song. Uh, check it out. Let me know what you think. down the list we've got a song called love is and um it's a really interesting track i find um it's got this cute little melody but it's also got um it, it, it's echoed by this not so cute sounding uh counterpart and then and then there's the vocals the vocals kind of kick in and they're just a completely jarring different they almost sound like they came from a completely different song um <laughs> which is uh, which is kind of kind of funny um what i find interesting too about the vocals is that they sound they sound like they they remind me of um some of the vocal experiments that um Brian Eno has done uh in um you know, I, I think those of you who might be familiar with uh, Eno's work will, will, will know exactly what I'm talking about. I think. a juxtaposition of style and sound it's got this really kind of lovely airy vocal um, but it's also got um, a trademark uh, residence sound um, what's interesting too is that every now and then they'll interject for seemingly no reason whatsoever um, this kind of distorted uh, bad harmonica playing and uh, yet somehow they make it work in their own way. 
this next track that we're going to listen to is called Margaret Freeman. And um, this is uh, the song I kind of alluded to earlier that uh, the, um, the great Andy Partridge from uh, XTC uh, plays on. Um, he's uh, notably um, credited in the uh, liner notes as Sandy Sandwich. Uh, but this is indeed Andy Partridge. Uh, playing on this track, um, doing vocals, and I guess playing some guitar as well. Uh, but but check this out. It's called Margaret Freeman. <laughs> The Coming of the Crow, and it kind of brings to a close our look at the official release of the commercial album. Um, it's uh, the second to last tr- uh, track on the on the original release. Uh, we are going to take a look at some of the bonus tracks. Uh, as I said, I've got the 1988 reissue, um, which had uh, 10 extra tracks on it. So um, We'll take a look at a couple of those uh, coming up next. But this is actually one of my favorite songs on the album. It's got a very um, uh, kind of um, uh, soundtrack uh, feel to it. It it reminds me very much of something you might hear in a movie um, or or that sort of thing. It's got a um, an interesting sound to it. Um, it's got. A, um, a cadence and a tempo, and um, it's kind of got a sense of foreboding. It certainly lives up to its title, The Coming of the Crow. Um, you almost get a sense that um, there is something uh, that is on its way that you don't want to meet up with. Um, in any event, uh, check it out. Um, it's The Coming of the Crow. <laughs> to a big crescendo at the end there um coming up next we've got uh we're going to delve into some of the bonus tracks that are that are included on here 
A um, couple of them I'll just mention. Um, they, they threw on a, uh, some cover songs. Um, one is a, kind of a twisted version of the Ramones' We're a Happy Family. Um, there is um, also a kind of a warped cover of Jailhouse Rock um, and Hit the Road Jack, the old uh, Ray Charles classic. Um, and then there's a, there's a version of uh, James Brown's uh, classic, uh, This is a Man's 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 World, um, which I'll get to in a little bit because uh, it's one of my favorite favorite resident songs uh, covers. But uh, I thought I'd start up with the, this kind of outtake from the commercial album. It's called Shut Up, Shut Up. And uh, honestly, I'm not sure why they left this off. I, I think this is, <laughs> this is an awesome track. The guitar on this is so crunchy and awesome. Uh, I just, I'm not sure. Maybe it sounded too commercial um, <laughs> for them to put on the original album. But check this out. It's called Shut Up, Shut Up. <laughs> for an American TV show. And um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, according to the liner notes, um, it was composed for a weekly comedy series and was rejected as being too strange. Um, although I'm sure if you were uh, commissioning the residents to compose a theme, I'm, I'm not quite sure <laughs> what you were expecting. Um, but I think that's kind of an interesting, um, in, an interesting little song. Uh, so check this out. It's called Theme for an American TV Show. podcast doesn't wind up being longer than the original album uh, in which we're covering. I'm going to uh, 
bring this to a, a grinding uh, close here with uh, we're gonna take a, a listen uh, to a little bit of uh, this is a man's 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 world as promised uh, their kind of warped version of uh, the James Brown classic so uh, check out this is a man's 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 world and I'll, I'll catch you on the other side and uh, we'll wrap this puppy up Hope you've enjoyed listening to the Residence commercial album. Um, I highly recommend that you uh, seek it out if you are adventurous at all. Um, it is on Amazon.com. Uh, there's different versions out. Like I said, I have the 1988 reissue, which has uh, 10 bonus tracks. Some of the other reissues only have the original 40 tracks. Um, so uh, be careful what you're paying for. about before today um it's uh we played about uh 16 out of the 40 original tracks plus i threw on a couple of the bonus tracks from the uh 1988 re-release um there apparently was a uh, 25th anniversary edition that came out in 2005 that included a booklet with all the lyrics and um illustrate more illustrations and stuff uh, I have not seen that, but uh, that appears to be uh, a bit of a collector's item. It was um, on sale on Amazon for 50 plus uh, dollars. So, um, but the uh, the cheaper earlier version is is still out there. So, if you're interested, I'm sure you can pick it up fairly cheap on eBay or or Amazon. Um, and uh, check it out. It's uh, I think it's a lot of fun. It's certainly a quirky thing to have in your collection, and uh, you know what? It's great for clearing uh, uh, those uh, last-minute party guests uh, that refuse to leave. Just uh, throw this on, and uh, they'll be gone before you know it. Um, so, uh, again, thank you for joining us on Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. We'll see you next time with uh, something fun and, uh, and new.
Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules is copyright 2013 by Douglas Arthur for Dugside Syndicate. You can contact the show by sending email to spacemules at yahoo.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at Space Mules and head over to Facebook for the official Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules fan page for all the latest news, updates, and photos. And don't forget to check out cafepress.com slash spacemules for Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules swag. T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, you name it, we have all the highest quality merchandise you can shake a Zuni doll at. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. Don't forget to tune in next time when you'll hear my brother say, You want me to chillax? First step, don't say chillax.